0: Hey there! You have found the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, uh, recording on Tuesday, November the 30th. Oh, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time. Hard to believe last day in November. Flip over to December tomorrow, and uh, Hawks are still playing football uh, before the bowl game. Big Ten Championship game this Saturday night in Indianapolis. Hope to see You folks down there, I'll be down there shooting photos. I haven't been there since 2015, obviously. I remember being on the goal line uh, when Michigan State went in for the winning touchdown. That was a bummer. Hopefully this time around is uh, a different result for everybody involved. Um, I know uh, tickets are hard to come by and so is lodging. So good luck to you folks out there if you are making the trip down there. Uh, it was tough for me. I kind of poked around and was able to find some lodging a little bit out of Indianapolis on the way back to Iowa City. So get on the road a little bit, head back towards Iowa City Saturday night, crash a little, get up in the morning on Sunday, and head back the rest of the way. Find out where Iowa's going bowling on Sunday. Um I know we have some questions about that. Um, I think the scenarios pretty much at this point have come down to uh, two options. Uh, an Iowa win would put Iowa in the Rose Bowl. I just don't see Iowa sliding up into playoff contention with two losses, too many teams ahead of them. Uh, I guess there could be some wild scenarios that I haven't looked at yet that could potentially put Iowa in that game or in the playoff, but I just think those odds are so long. It's not even worth discussing at this point. Um, so a win against Michigan puts Iowa in the Rose bowl, which would be fabulous uh, most likely against Oregon or Utah. Um, and then, uh a loss would most likely be the cap 1 bowl and i'm seeing a lot of kentucky matchups in that game which would be mark stoops which would be a cool storyline uh so really not a bad uh there's really not a, a, a an option that's going to be poor for iowa at this point you know like uh rose bowl cap 1 with a trip to the big 10 championship this is uh It's been a great season. It really has. Special, great, however you want to frame it. Uh, It's beyond good at this point. Uh, Winning the West, to me, was where the bar was set uh, for this program and for this team, and uh, it achieved that. So anything else at this point, to me, is gravy. Um, But I'm sure the players and coaches aren't looking at at it like that. If they can – they want to push this thing as far as they they can, and, and that's the way it should be. Um, you know, I think, uh, 10, ish point underdog to Michigan, but, uh, I think the game will be closer than that. I would definitely take Iowa with the points there. Um, I think this could be similar to what we saw against Michigan state in 2015, a really, um, uh, a defensive battle where a couple plays make the difference. Uh, it looked like, obviously I, I don't need to go through that 2015 game again. That was, uh, that one stings a little bit. Um. Even more than the Rose Bowl where Iowa wasn't wasn't really in the uh you know, in the game at all from in that game. Uh the, the, the Michigan State game could have been uh could have been a program um, maker. Eh, I don't know. That's maybe overstating it. I'm not sure I was gonna and I'll get to some of the questions that regarding this. And there are going to be more coffee sips in this podcast than normal because I need a lot of coffee. Busy week. All right. Let's get to your questions here. Um, Go back to some that I think were sent my way before. uh, Yeah. November 26th. So that was over the weekend. Um, That may have been Friday after the game actually was the game on Friday of the 26th against Nebraska. Uh, Let me look here real quick on my calendar. So I have my days, right? Uh, yeah, the 26th was Friday when Iowa, uh, had to come from behind 28, 21 victory at Nebraska that kept hopes alive for the big 10 West title, uh, that were realized on Saturday when Minnesota upset Wisconsin and Minneapolis for the axe. Um, and I did predict that back on November 1st, by the way, on Twitter, it's documented and I'm going to pat myself on the back because I don't, uh, I don't get to do that very often. So when I, when given the opportunity, I will do so. So I know plenty, plenty of people like to take victory laps. That's not really my style, but I'll take one in this case. Um, Andy Paul are always Andy at Andy Paul rules, Andy Paul rules one on Twitter. Uh, hey Rob, I know everyone will say the right things in public, but does anyone b- really believe both Petrus and Padilla will be on the team? week one next season in addition would you be surprised if iowa doesn't lose two quarterbacks this offseason it's potentially uh that's but that will what's the word i'm looking for here? that could potentially happen the simplest way to say it i guess andy um it's going to be interesting to see how this is handled um you know we, we know how things have happened this season so there's no need to to uh to address that really. We know how things have unfolded here uh, with Petrus being the starter once again in Indianapolis um, and Padilla being the number two. Uh, at least that's what it said, at least according to the depth chart that was released uh, yesterday, Monday, November the 29th, we will get access to coaches or coach Ferentz and the players today uh, to get a better handle on whether the quarterback situation stands. But anyway, regardless of that, it's going to be, how this is handled here for the bowl prep. And then after the season, uh, do the coaches make them co-number ones going into the spring and say, Hey, it's an open competition. Let's see who wins it. Uh, do they make it clear that one or the other is the uh, is the number one going into the spring? And does that, you know, uh, does that, uh inspire is probably not not the right word but that does that lead to the other one saying you know what I think I have a better chance to go into the portal and find a a a place where I know I can start uh I want to play and then uh beyond that I mean you have Deuce Hogan who is a second year freshman uh still kind of early in his career um but he could get to the point where hey I'm two years in I know I'm going to be behind whoever stays, Petrus or Padilla. If both guys stay, I'm still number three in my third year. Certainly he would at least, you know, be doing his due diligence to think about it. Um, Joey Labus is uh only a true freshman. I would think that he's going to hang out. And then you've got Carson May coming in, in the 2022 class. So um, that's kind of where the quarterback situation stands from a, uh, a scholarship standpoint anyway. So, um, you know, I putting odds on it, I don't know because I really don't know how the coaches are going to handle this. If they try to keep both Petrus and Padilla engaged into the spring saying it's a toss up, you guys go into the spring, even, um, may the best man win. Um, maybe you can keep both of them around. Uh, but if you, if you, and, and really it doesn't matter what we're told publicly, in terms of what the quarterback situation is um, talked about this before. It's really how they um, communicate behind closed doors with these guys. Uh, they being the coaches, uh, not only with the quarterbacks, but with the other players on the team, just so everybody, there's transparency there and everybody knows what's, what's going on. I don't sense that there's a divide on this team because of the quarterback situation. Excuse me because I th- they're both really Petrus and Padilla are very tight and close friends. Um, so I don't think there's any rub there. Um, and I think the players just want to win. Um, they're not, I, I don't think either one has separated himself to the point where there's an opinion on the team that, Hey, this guy's got to be the starter. Um, you know, and, and the other guy playing is ridiculous. Um, I think there was more of that in 2014 with, with, Bethard and, and, uh, Rudock than there is now. I think it's a completely different situation. Uh, I think there was more of that with Stansy and Christensen, uh, back in 2008. Um, I think this is a different situation and that's why it's going to be interesting how it is handled, uh, during the ball prep and then the off season. So, um, I would say odds are at least one guy is going to leave out of this group of, you know, what will be, they would have what, five guys, on scholarship going into next season, if nobody leaves, um, that's rare. I think these days, this day and age and in, in college football, that you'd have five quarterbacks on scholarship, not saying it can't happen. Um, but I get the sense that even if Padilla, Petras, Hogan, all stay through the spring, uh, I, I think maybe after that, they'll have a, they will have a clearer picture of where they stand. And if Iowa remains, it's their you know, whoever it is if iowa remains his best option so let's kind of go from there i think it's just a little bit too early andy to to make any declarations here but that's kind of where things stand now i think it's going to be interesting to see how the coaches handle this because it's important how they handle it going into the offseason if they really feel like uh, it's a toss-up between petrus and padilla tell those guys that say hey come back in the spring compete for this thing And, uh, you know, may the best man win. If they really feel that one or the other is ahead uh, and can't be caught, um, then say that. Just be transparent and open with these guys. And I think that, that, you know, let the chips fall where they may after that, if I can throw out a tired cliche. uh, Coffee sip time before another Andy question. Andy's second question, uh, which he asked on Saturday, woke up the next day and had a question. And, uh, p, good time for the, uh, PSA right now. Um, as Andy's done and, and some other guys have done here. and and do each week, which I appreciate is, uh, if you use the H F mail hashtag on Twitter, that's H F mail hashtag. Uh, you can send me a question or comment anytime, uh, during the week between the podcasts and I will go back and find it as I've done now. And, uh, we'll talk about it. So do that. If you will do that, sometimes it's easier than waiting for me on Monday to, uh, to throw, to throw that out there. I talked last week about moving to the, uh, the, um, the substance before style podcast and starting to alternate between this and that with Iowa making the uh the Big 10 championship game and basketball being 70 i figured i'd stick with the mailbag here a little bit longer before we get into a slower time i think there's plenty to talk about on the mailbag still um so we'll continue on with that and i'll let you know um i'll give you a heads up uh if i'm going to to alternate in or you know uh fold in a a substance before style podcast at any point. So potentially one of those next week, we'll see what happens. Um, Andy, one potential concern for Iowa basketball so far seems to be the lack of a second consistent scorer. Is this the product of easy non-conference schedule or something that sorts itself out as Fran gets more set rotation? I don't know. Andy. it's a great question. Um, I think it's, Pretty clear that Keegan is the number one option, um, and rightfully so. And then after that, I just think you go with matchups. Who has the best matchup? Who, you know, are you playing as, is, is the uh, uh, opposition playing a zone? Um, you know, it, uh, uh, is Jordan Bohannon like last night getting open looks, uh, when he scored 20 in the victory at Virginia? Um, you know, is, you know, is it Patrick McCaffrey on the break with Joe Toussaint is Joe Toussaint able to take his I just I don't think you there needs to be a consistent number two guy Um I think that can um you can alternate that there there's a lot of talent whether it's you know I'm not sure it'll be Robracha on a lot of nights because he's their post player and watching him in you know and just projecting to big 10 play when big, Ten, you know, there are a lot of true centers. He's not really a true center. Um, So it's going to, he's going to have some difficult matchups. I think, I think there are going to be nights where he'll score double figures and have, have, you know, be the recipient of maybe defenses focusing on other guys and things open up for him. And I think that's really where things are going to happen here. You know, you have a given night where Chris Murray is the second leading scorer and then teams focus on him or Patrick McCaffrey, um, or Tucson, or, you know, somebody else coming off the bench, uh, Perkins or, you know, Sanford or whoever it is that comes in, um, may have the hot hand and I think you just ride that, but I think everything kind of goes through Keegan and then you just kind of figure it out after that. So good questions, Andy. I appreciate that. Um, Drake Timbers also someone who uh, utilizes the, the in-between podcast format that we like. Um, and he checked in on Saturday as well. And that's at Drake Timbers on Twitter, uh, Hawk unit with most TDs against Michigan. Special teams D or O? It's a good question. And, um, I'm working on my preview now. Uh, the interesting thing about this matchup is I think Michigan is pretty strong in all three phases. Um, if there's, you know, statistically, or at least what we've seen to this point this season, Iowa's offense is far and away the least effective phase of. The six phases, if you will, three on each side. Um Michigan is, I think, second in the Big Ten in scoring, third in scoring defense. Iowa's fourth in scoring defense, I think. Um Iowa's offense, I think, is tenth in scoring offense. And that's really where the difference is. Both very good on special teams, good specialists, good coverage teams. Iowa a little bit of an edge there, but not it's pretty it's pretty nominal, the the you know the differences on special teams so um i'm gonna say offense um just with the odds uh i I don't know as michigan's going to give up special teams touchdowns um i'm not sure they turn the ball over enough to get the defense a touchdown i think it's going to have to be offense i i think it's really going to come down to which offense is more effective here um You have to like Michigan just based on track record this season, but that doesn't mean – I mean, this is a one-game scenario, and um, Iowa seems to have figured out the running game a little bit better the last few weeks. They haven't played a rushing defense as good as Michigan's. Um, but it's really going to be imperative on Iowa to be able to run the football and keep pressure uh, off the quarterback because Michigan is really good at defensive end. Both guys are really good, uh, Hutchinson and Ajabo. So both probably first-round NFL draft. Well, definitely Hutchinson. I, they're both first-round draft picks. Who am I fooling? So got to have to keep the, the defensive ends off of the quarterbacks. And Iowa's had some – inconsistency at tackle all offensive tackle so that's kind of a matchup you have to definitely keep an eye on so the offense is going to have to figure this out it's going to have to come from uh, getting away from tendency a little bit I think you're going to have to throw some looks at Michigan that it hasn't seen before um, but we'll get more into that on Thursday in the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast with Scott Doctrine but those are some of my initial thoughts in looking at this game um, have a you know obviously f- couple more days to to look at things and maybe watch a little bit of uh the tape film from the the games uh that michigan's played i have i've seen several michigan games this year but want to go back and uh check them out a little bit more but Uh, I'm going to go with the offense, Drake, for that question. Uh, California Hawkeye, at D. Freen on Twitter, checked in on Sunday, I believe. Have a hard time seeing a scenario where Iowa doesn't get to the Rose Bowl. If they win, they are in. If they lose, Michigan goes to the playoffs. Wouldn't the Rose have to take the Big Ten runner-up, or am I wrong? Um, That is not the case, Dean, and I'm going to tell you why, Um, it's because of the divisional play. I think if Iowa was the second-best team hands down, they would be headed to the Rose Bowl at worst um, and probably not to the playoffs, so that would be the destination. Um, But you look at it and say, well, yeah, Iowa won the West, but are they better than Michigan and Michigan State? And – or excuse me, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Um, those would be the th- the three teams they would be competing for for the Rose Bowl because the Rose Bowl technically takes the Big Ten champion. If Michigan goes to the playoff, then there is, n- there is no Big Ten champion. Then you're looking at the other three schools, and I think without a doubt it's Ohio State that goes to the Rose Bowl. Uh, Ohio State has one Big Ten loss to the Big Ten champion. Um, did lose a non-conference to Oregon, but Iowa would have three losses at that point, um, all within the Big Ten, and I don't see the Rose Bowl taking Iowa over Ohio State. Michigan State, you know, I don't know. Michigan, Michigan State beat Michigan, so Iowa will have lost to Michigan. So I don't really see a scenario with an Iowa loss that it gets to the Rose Bowl. I think if Iowa wins, it gets to the Rose Bowl. If Iowa loses, it's probably headed to the Cap One Bowl. Thank you for the question, Dean. Appreciate it. Um, Drake Timbers checked in uh, 19 hours ago. So earlier yesterday before um, I sent out the the bat signal for questions. So um, Drake Timbers at Drake Timbers asks, how much of a recruiting boost was Iowa's 2015 season, specifically in regards to walk-ons? Were there a significant amount of players who chose to walk on at Iowa who have been who would have normally committed to lower tier schools? It's a pretty broad-based question, Drake, and I don't know as I have that data in front of me. Um, there is usually a boost when a team has a good season, um, and typically that boost comes – the following cycle down the road. So in this case, it won't be the 22 cycle for Iowa. It would be the 23 and maybe 24 cycles for Iowa that it's in the big 10 championship game. The cycle is just sped up so much now that the 22 class for the most part is figured it out. Iowa still obviously is trying to fill its class. Um, but a lot of kids, you know, a lot of other schools have, you know, full or close to full. Now there are, you know, m- coaching uh, vacancies and movement that's going on right now that could impact commitments and decommitments and things like that. So Iowa kind of has to play that field right now and figure out what's going on. Um, I don't know in regards to walk ons, Iowa does a pretty good job every year of getting the pick of who they want. They don't always get the guys. Um, you know, guys end up going to you and I. It's really hard to, to just kind of, uh, uh, categorize these guys based on a f- Iowa football season. If you kind of get where I'm coming from here, it's this, walk-ons is so, that's such, so much more of a individual decision. Um, what, you know, what are your other options? Is it North Dakota state? Is it Northern Iowa? Is it a max school? Is it, um, you know, a, a different big 10 school All of those things, all all, we've seen all of those scenarios in the past. Um, Can you pay out of state tuition? A lot of the walk-ons come from in-state, which makes sense. Um, And a lot of the times those kids don't have other options, maybe FCS offers, but, you know, not always. So um, I I guess I'm kind of tap dancing a little bit here on your question, Drake, because I don't have... uh, the research in front of me of you know I'd have to look not only at two, what happened after 2015, but then compare that to 16, 17, 18. I'm just talking more in a general terms here. Um, I think Iowa does really well with identifying walk-ons um, and then developing those guys. We see it time and time again, and there are a lot of guys that don't make it that they think have an opportunity, but you can take more chances at walk-on. Um, but I think most years Iowa was pretty attractive. To a walk on uh, that may be headed to Northern Iowa or, um, or South, you know, South Dakota and South Dakota State, North Dakota State, what have you, the, the powerful FCS teams around here. Um, but you look at a kid, um, the Hilson kid from Des Moines North last year, Devin Hilson. Um, he'd been pretty much flat out told me. Uh, last December about a year ago now I'll go to Iowa if I get a scholarship if not I'm and he I think he had northern Iowa and and at least one of the the Dakotas I can't remember which one Um, that's a case where a kid's going to take the scholarship over walk-on even if it's somebody that they want and Iowa was coming off a six and two record last year and really you know Uh, Granted, there were other things going on. Uh, you still had the, you know, the racial bias hangover and COVID and all that other stuff, but there are just some kids that will don't, don't want to walk on. They want the scholarship, whether that's, you know, FBS, FCS or what have you, division two. And then there are other kids that will, you know, take their shot if they can, if they can afford it. Um, if they feel like they have a chance, uh, at a given position that they're coming in at things like that. Sip time. coffee sip thank you for bearing with me on that um but that's kind of where maybe i'll take a look at that drake and go back and research it during the off season but that would take some digging into not only you know what happened in 2000 following 2015 but maybe what was happening prior to that in 13 and 14 then 16 17 18 19 20 21 and just kind of see how things fall there but will be interesting to kind of see uh what happens after this they've gotten some good walk-ons in this class um and i would expect that they'll have the ears of more kids as things move forward here based on the results of the season uh Stephan g at Stefan g 223 football question seven seniors total on the two deeps is it too early to think iowa might be the West favorites going into next year have not started to look at other West teams yet, but I know a few were experienced. Yeah. It's hard to sift through the teams and who had super seniors. I know Illinois had a ton of super seniors. I think it was in the twenties. Um, so obviously it's going to have a lot of turnover. Uh, Nebraska had a lot of super seniors, so it'll have turnover there. Um, Purdue's likely to lose David Bell. Yeah, I'd have to go through each of these teams, Stefan, and kind of get an idea of who has what coming back. But I was in good position going into next year. I think, you know, not included in the seven seniors in the two deep is Tyler Linderbaum, who I think goes to the NFL. He's probably a top 10, top 15 pick. That's life-changing money. So he probably moves on. I think Jack Campbell probably comes back. Uh, I think Dane Belton probably comes back, but they'll probably at least have to take a look and get some, um, the NFL draft advisory, get some advice kind of on where they might stand. There may be some other underclassmen uh, who have a potential to go, um, but you would think the offensive line would be a little stronger, even without Linderbaum, just because the other four pieces will have more experience. But Linderbaum is obviously a major, major loss Iowa loses its two starting cornerbacks. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on. Do have talent coming back there. Jack Kerner leaves at safety, but probably we'll have uh, Sebastian Castro, Kevon Merriweather, he comes back, you know, is, is a hybrid. So pretty strong there. Defensive line should be uh, you lose Van Valkenburg, but uh, pretty much everybody else is back. Uh, so strong there. Goodson, we'll have to see what his he's going to have a decision to make, much like Belton and Campbell, I think. Uh, those three guys will have decisions to make. Um, I think Laporta said he's coming back, but I could be off on that. He may have a decision to make as well. So you have to factor in those underclassmen as well as the seniors on the two deep, Stephan. So um but I think Iowa certainly should be among the favorites for the Big Ten West, and we'll kind of just have to see how things shake out not only on its roster but also on the rosters around the league. Uh, Wisconsin loses quite a bit, too, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So have to uh have to see how things shake out with everybody else as well as Iowa. Uh, Kyle at Kyle Bolin on Twitter asks, how does coaches leaving – how does coaches leaving Kelly, et cetera, and coaching unrest and poor performance in places like Auburn and Penn state impact Iowa's recruiting of verbal commits. Iowa has been in on, uh, I would say there's some, there could, there's potential impact there. Kyle is how I would frame it. Um, you're still dealing with, uh, Penn state is Penn state and there, uh, Iowa doesn't beat Penn state for, you know, f- doesn't beat Penn state frequently for recruits, especially out of the Iowa you know, the immediate footprint, um, Auburn is similar. Um, what was Auburn's. They were both seven and five this year. Um, not like they both just went completely in the toilet. So, um, and those coaches are out recruiting this week too, which will give them the week up on Iowa. Not that Iowa would trade the big 10 championship prep for being out on the road recruiting. Uh, I'm sure they're still doing some recruiting from Iowa City uh, via virtual means. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be interesting here. December 1st is tomorrow. As I said earlier in the podcast, we've got about, what, three weeks until signing day roughly. Um, So we'll have to see. It'll be interesting to see perhaps maybe in that – in that second signing period from the end of December through January into the beginning of February. Uh, if I was able to maybe make some, you know, make some inroads with some of the kids, maybe that they've missed, they've lost some kids to Illinois. I've kind of kept an eye on them. They don't look like they're wavering much. Um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of, I think Iowa has a pretty good idea the kids that it it wants at this point uh, and has kind of, um, kind of zeroed in on a group. Um it's going to be a matter of, you know, closing the deal on kids they sit well with and then maybe finding out if there are any kids wavering from these other schools and I'll have a chance to dig into that more starting next week uh as before we get ready I'll have, you know, basically the month of December to kind of look into that that stuff a little bit more before we get to uh the bowl game so have a pretty better idea then. Um I think Wongpa will probably be the you know, the domino that falls that could impact this class even more. Um, he's scheduled to announce on the 5th, uh, which is, is that the Big Ten, Big Ten Championship? No, it's Sunday. So that's the day after the Big Ten Championship. So um, and I, I do expect him to commit to Iowa. Um, I could be surprised here, but that's kind of reading the tea leaves. I think that's where he ends up um, and that could impact. Uh, maybe he can get some other guys to join him um or other guys notice it and say hey you know maybe that's an option for me so kind of see how that could impact things as well so uh i'm not sure i was gonna you know be able to swoop in and take notre dame and oklahoma and penn state and auburn commitments and flip them um that's just not really what we see much of and i'm not sure that changes now um And there are some kids, the kid from Bellevue, uh, Nebraska, the tight end, his name escapes me right now, uh, who's committed to Auburn. I haven't really heard that he's wavering, but perhaps. Um, But, again, I haven't really dug into that a whole lot yet at this point. So appreciate the question, Kyle. Hit me back with that maybe next week or the week after, and I'll have a little bit more information uh, and, you know, maybe some concrete names to give you on – on who to keep an eye on who could potentially flip to Iowa or Iowa sits well with, um, DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk six asks. So Hawks make the big 10 championship because Minnesota beats Wisconsin. And now it's a, it's a successful 10 and two season sports are wacky. Do you think we see Padilla Saturday? How do you think Harris has looked at cornerback? Um, I think it was a successful season either way d c um I think it moved from you know a good season or a very good season to a great or a special season by winning the west um i would uh put it there with o two o four uh oh o nine and fifteen um and o nine is the only one of those that hadn't won um Hadn't won a, a either a division or a conference title, but 09 was a, what at the time was a BCS Bowl win, which would now be a uh, New Year's Six Bowl win, and I, I think that would qualify it as a greater special season than Making it to the Big Ten West, making it winning the Big Ten West this year moves it beyond just a successful season. and certainly, I think, is a successful season. Ten and two is success, a successful season any way you slice it. Uh, to get to your questions, um, I do think we see Petit on Saturday. I don't know how much or how he will be utilized uh but I think it would be a good idea to maybe throw him in there and I think some of it's going to depend on how Iowa looks offensively uh if Iowa is humming along offensively with Petrus in there in the beginning I think the coaches would be reluctant to to make a switch and maybe upset the apple cart there so I think they would stick with Petrus in that point um I don't there's not a huge amount of difference between the two in skill set um Petrus has a stronger arm, I think, although Padilla is no slouch. Um, Padilla moves better side to side. You can roll with him a little bit, and maybe that's that's to Iowa's advantage to keeping the quarterback moving away from the defensive lineman that I mentioned earlier in Hutchinson and Najabo, who are uh, probably the two um, first-team All-Big Ten defensive ends this year. So – you know, maybe that's a better matchup for Iowa, depending on how they, you know, it's lo it looks offensively early. Um I'm not when you put another quarterback in like Michigan does, you 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 know, you, you wanna throw a different look at the defense, a, a different package at the defense. I'm not sure how much different a package for Padilla would look than what Petrus already is running. So I'm not sure where you're gaining an advantage there. And that would be my question. If you're putting in a package where Padilla is maybe running some RPO or something like that, yeah, then I could see it being advantageous for Iowa. Uh, I'm not sure just putting him in there to put him in there would be advantageous if you're just running the same offense. So see what happens. I do think they try to get him in there, though, if, if, uh, if at all possible, uh, to keep him engaged. Uh, Jamari Harris, I think, has looked pretty good. He's had some breakdowns, uh, some times where he's been out of position. Uh, he got a gift at the end of the Nebraska game. I don't know where that throw was supposedly headed to for smothers that looked like a miscommunication between he and the Nebraska receiver, which I guess isn't unexpected when you have a guy making his first start as a second year freshman. So, um, but I thought, I think Harris has acquitted himself pretty well. And I was lucky to have him, you know, to step in when Moss was out, then Hankins goes down and he slides over and plays there. So that versatility and the ability to uh, step in, uh, I think is a, is a good sign for. He seems to be improving each week, and it's also a good sign the next year that you know you have a guy going into the spring. That has experience under his belt, where maybe you wouldn't have gotten that had Moss and Hankins stayed healthy this year. You've answered some questions with Harris, and I think he's going to get even better. You know, he's he's still a young player, so he's he's a guy I think that uh, has a bright future here. And I think I like what I've seen from him from the most part. It's a matter of getting reps and experience, I think, for him to continue to improve. All right, moving on here, Justin Frericks at JJF twenty seven. I was worried about how we would defend Virginia in the post and our guys exceeded my expectations. Are Virginia's post players just not that good or is our front court a lot saltier defensively than we thought? Let me get a coffee sip. Um, it's probably a combination of both. I don't think Virginia is, you know, has world beaters inside. Um, you know, they had a couple guys who seemed to, uh, respond from poor first halves to play a little bit better in the second half. Um, but I think Robroch is a pretty solid defender down there. And then I think you have a pair of shot blockers, as we saw in Keegan Murray, and, and we've seen in Keegan Murray and, and Patrick McCaffrey when they're in there. Um, when you have a small forward that's as long as Patrick McCaffrey, that helps your interior defense. If guys are going to try to drive the lane, particularly if he's his guy's near the basket, that allows him to drop, help, you know, help defense to, to um because I was still giving up too much on dribble drive. I noticed that last night too. They've got to do a better job on the perimeter to help the interior guys from allowing guards to penetrate into the lane and get all the way to the rim. Um, too much of that again, last night, Iowa has to shore that up um, however they can. And I noticed Fran went to his defensive lineup when that was happening a lot uh, and had Uless and Perkins in there. I think Toussaint's a good defender too, but um you know, I, I, it all starts with the perimeter defense uh, and being able to uh, put pressure on the ball and stop dri- dribble penetration. If you're playing off of the guards a great deal, that gives them an easier view of the entry passes to the post, uh, which makes it harder to defend. Once you get a guy uh, with the ball on the post, then you're kind of at his mercy playing behind it. May, it's the next stage of defense. If you can limit the touches inside, that's even more preferred. So. But I think Iowa has some shot blockers, which it hasn't necessarily had in recent years. Jack Nungy was one, but it was hurt. Um, so that k- kind of took him out of that. And I was watching him with Xavier the other night, and he's still doing that on defense on the inside. But I think uh, even Chris Murray is a long guy when he's in there, uh, can block some shots. I think Peyton Sanford blocked a jump shot last night. So I always got length, um, and sometimes that can make up for uh, the bulk of interior guys. We'll see what happens when on Friday. Because Purdue's not only got length, but it's got bulk in Edie and uh Trevion Williams. Uh we'll be interesting to see how Iowa matches up with those big guys from Purdue on Friday, but have to go in there co- with confidence after being able to win at Virginia last night, Monday night. Thank you for the question, Justin. Jake Markham at j Markham 1337. That game last night is why Fran wanted Jabo back so bad, right? Not to overreact to last night's win, but I feel like this team has the grit to win games. Maybe they shouldn't, maybe Sweet 16, but I'm not overreacting. LOL, have a good day and go Hawks. Thanks, Jake. You too. Have a good rest of your week. Enjoy the games Saturday and Friday night. Um, yeah, I think Fran wanted Jabo back. You just saw the stability last night. There were times last night where Iowa, Virginia was making runs at Iowa. Um, and, and Jabo would hit a big shot. He just, those atmospheres on the road, um, don't affect him. He's been doing it for six years. So, um, having that experience is invaluable. And I think it, it, uh I think it spreads to the younger guys too, when they see how calm he is and his ability to make plays, uh, in difficult settings and environments, uh, other players can feed off of that. And I thought, the other players fed off of his energy last night and his ability to make shots. I'm not sure what the hell Virginia was doing, leaving him that wide open. It's not like there hasn't been a scouting report after he's been in college basketball for six years. Uh, you would think they would have a bit of a better, better handle on uh, identifying a guy who, you know, is the Big Ten's all time leading three point shooter. But, uh, you know, that worked to Iowa's advantage. Um, I think the focus was on taking Keegan Murray away. And when you're moving Keegan Murray around, uh, not only inside, but out uh, sometimes, you know, the defense can lose Bohannon and free and that frees him up. So, uh, yeah, I think he wanted him back for all the right reasons. And I think Jordan's bought in. Um, I forget what game it was where he sat out much of the second half and uh, that did not cause disruption. Uh, he understands that there are nights when there are other players that maybe are contributing more than he contribute. If it can contribute, if his shot isn't falling, so as long as he's bought in, which I think he is, it would surprise me if he he wasn't or uh, if that changes. I think uh, I, I think it should be you know a positive that he's back um, and there's plenty of other experience around him. Uh, Rebracha, you know is experienced, even though it hasn't been at this level, uh, Connor McCaffrey has experience. Um, you know, so there, there's plenty of, you know, even, even second year guys, Toussaint's got experience, even second year guys like, uh, Uless and Perkins are starting to, you know, take the next step in their careers. So, Uh, Yeah, I think there's potential here. I think it's a a gritty team. I think it's a little, you know, it obviously looks different than it's looked when uh, the last several years when Garza was the focus. This team's a little bit more, uh, as I talked about, long ability to defend in the full court, um, can get out on the break a little bit more and run the floor. Uh, They have numerous guys that can put at the front at that one, three, one uh, half court, three quarter court trap that they like to use. And even though that hasn't produced a ton of steals and turnovers this year, uh, it puts pressure on teams to have to, you know, it's taking taking time off of the shot clock for the for the opposition, just getting the ball across the court. And then that speeds them up in the half court offense, which works to Iowa's advantage. So I think Iowa's doing a nice job of utilizing that when it can. Um And uh, we'll see. I'm interested to see what happens Friday. Purdue is a top five team in the country. I think it's, what, ranked second to Duke. Um, So, obviously, a, a great opportunity for Iowa to measure itself against one of the top teams, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country in the Big Ten opener on Friday night down in West Lafayette. So, look forward to seeing how that one shakes out. Thank you for the question, Jake. And, no, well, you might be overreacting a little. Uh, Let's see if we have any more questions in the queue here. Uh, Sorry, I have to go back and look for the people who did not follow the assignment, which was um, using the hashtag. Uh, Okay, I don't see anything there. May have hit them all. Let's see. Is there anything here? Uh, yep. I do. I did find one from somebody who uh, did not follow the directions of the assignment and use the hashtag, but we'll get to it anyway because I found it. Tim, uh, Tim McMahon at Timmy Max nineteen seventy six is Richmond the best option at tackle coming off the injury and then the flu last week? Um, yeah, I think he's been c- consistently the best tackle Iowa's had this season, um, and that's amongst the group that has been inconsistent. Um, he certainly has fallen into, you know, that category of inconsistency, uh, but he's been the least inconsistent of the group. If that makes any sense. Um, I do think Nick, DeYoung and Jack plum have gotten better as the season has gone on. Um, and I think you'll probably some, see some type of rotation of sorts. Uh, but I think if Richmond is healthy and past the flu, um, he is, he, he is an option that you should see in there at tackle. Um, is he the best option? Um, again, I think he's played the best start to finish this season. Um, but I don't know how much the injury and the flu is taken out of him and set him back. Uh, so you have to factor that in. I just think you need to piece together, uh, whoever looks the best in practice this week between Plum, Richmond and DeYoung and, uh, make sure that they're, they're ready to go because as I said a few times during this podcast, Hutchinson and, and Ajabo are no joke. Uh they put pressure on tackles, uh, very athletic defensive ends who will be in the NFL next year. Uh so the challenge is as great as Iowa's had this year from an edge rush perspective. Uh and it's time to see how much progress these offensive tackles have made for Iowa because uh the training wheels are off at this point. This is gonna be a, a, a great challenge, and again, I think Iowa being able to run the football, particularly up inside the inside zone, has been working better lately. They've just decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna run behind the inside guys. Uh, they are they've been our most consistent players, particularly having you know Shot and Linderbaum, the most veteran of the offensive linemen, just run against them. We'll see if Michigan finds a way to counter that. I'm sure Michigan will notice that on film and maybe f- try to load up the interior to take away uh, some of those running lanes for Iowa up inside, but be interesting to see how the chess match goes this week between the Iowa uh, offensive coaches and the Michigan defensive coaches. Appreciate that question, Tim. I have not seen questions from you before, but maybe I missed it. Maybe you just changed your avatar. Uh, That's it. Looks like I got to them all. And that was about a 45 minute practice podcast about like we like to hit from a time perspective. Um, as I said earlier in the podcast, I will be back on Thursday with the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast, uh, joined as always by Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. We'll have a little bit more information based on what we hear today, Tuesday, November the 30th. At uh, the Iowa press conference, we get a little more feedback from the Michigan side as well um, and have some more to talk about on Thursday. We'll dive more into Iowa's basketball game against Purdue uh, the following day. So please check us out. Check out the Hawk fanatic feed. We have new Hawkeye podcasts Monday through Friday on this feed. So uh, if you're looking for a Hawkeye podcast fix, uh, this is the place to be. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for your questions, and we will talk to you next week.